Go ahead and stand. We're going to be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Lord, this is for all of us this morning, um, that we would be marked by you, and that what you do inside of us would overflow into a display of your kingdom, um, not only for our kids, but for our neighborhood and our city as well. I ask that you would uh, instruct us through this familiar passage this morning, do your work in us that you need to do, um, and we would want to honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. The one thing I always do on Mother's Day, I do take, I do take advantage of my role, and I put pictures of my mom up on the screen, so um, there's my mom. Uh, my mom passed away in 2016. Um, I think on the left is about 1928. Um, and then on the right is later on, she was always colorful. She loved her red jacket. Her uh, favorite verse was uh, Isaiah 26.3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Um, and that's actually the uh, key to parenting. And it's actually the key to all of us for displaying the kingdom of God through our lives. Our minds, our hearts, our lives stayed on him because he's the one who's supposed to reflect through in the first place anyways. Um, This is about teaching our children a little bit here in terms of this passage. It's interesting, I don't really have any, I can't think of any memories with my mom where um, she actually sat down with me to instruct me about something. I mean, I just, I don't remember her. Um, doing that. I, I've sat down with my kids and instructed them when they were little about things. I don't remember my mom ever actually sitting down and teaching me um, anything, but I saw how she lived her life, and I was with her in the, all different kinds of contexts. She taught through her actions. Um, interesting, I think my mom was one of those moms who believed that she was everybody's mom, so it wasn't just her kids that were, she was, mom, she was everybody's mom. I was, uh, Brian and I were talking about our schools this week, and I, I in junior high, I went to a really rough school, and um, I got out of basketball practice one day out the, the back door, and um, we we're always waiting for my mom to pick us up right away because we didn't want to be standing out there very long. It was not safe. And um, she picked me up in the, uh, in the car, and then she drove out, and um, there was a bunch of boys, but in my junior high, I mean, I was little. I was really little, but every, all the other guys were like men, and um, they were, that's how, that's how they looked to me anyways, and and they, there's this big group of guys, they're fighting, like not just pushing each other around, they were just like going, guys are going at it, people are screaming and yelling. And my mom, I'm just like, keep going, mom. And, and she stops the car and gets out of the car, and she goes over and she goes, boys, it's just, it's just like, stop fighting. What would your moms think? And she's, I can hear her out the side telling them to quit fighting. And I'm like, I'm ducking down because I didn't want anybody to see that she was my mom. And she got them to stop fighting. She, she breaks up this big fight. And, and, and I couldn't hear everything she said. And then she did that mom thing. She's brushing them off because they all had grass on them. So she's, she's brushing them all off. I'm like, Mom. I learned from her and how she talked with people. 
from her attitude I saw in different settings. Um, I saw her actively, how she put things right when she responded in wrong ways. Um, I heard what she said about the Lord. Um, I saw her reading her Bible, her little prayer reminders above the kitchen sink that she always had in the window. Um, the way she interacted with my friends, um, how she responded to the difficult trials and trauma that happened in our home. And all those things, all those things shaped me, um, because they do. Um, we can't ensure that anyone, including our children, are going to embrace the faith, but there are some things we can do. I have control of my walk with God, and I have control as I pay attention to the Spirit, letting him live that out through me. As the Israelites were about to head into the promised land, um, the Lord gives them these instructions we just read um, on their part in passing along faith. Um, it was supposed to be to their children, but the, the bigger picture here, it was supposed to show even the nations around them what Jehovah was really like. And we get that here in Deuteronomy 6. And it begins with God himself, and then it talks about what goes on inside, and then it talks about what shows on the outside. So three things here fairly briefly this morning. The first thing is we're supposed to look to the Lord, um, and we can do that. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, the verse has been called the Shema or Shema. The verse means that the Lord Yahweh is totally unique, and he alone is God. They're, they're just about to enter a land that was filled with idols and other gods, and the danger was adopting those to begin to put their trust in those to let those other stories that we talk about out there begin to shape their lives instead of the one God. And they often ended up doing exactly that, as you read through the Old Testament. When they did that, when they forgot that the Lord was one, the Lord is the only God, and they began to embrace other things that left them defeated and discouraged and without the resources they needed to live life and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. So for Moses, in giving instructions and for passing on the faith, he begins with God, which is where we're supposed to start. Remember who he is. That's why every Sunday we come in together, our gathering time is to remember who we say we followed, remember what he's like, remember his character, his nature, because all week long, as we've talked about, we get shaped by all these other stories and we forget. And so we come, remember that over and over and over again. It begins with God, who is above all. He's sovereign. He's in control. He goes before us to do his work, which, by the way, for parents is really good news. If it's all on us, we are in desperate trouble. And he calls us to work, but he goes before us. And it's actually, ultimately, he's the one who accomplishes the work. It's good news that we are not alone and that the Lord God is not just one of us, but he's above us and greater than us, and he's sovereign. Many of you um, moms here have younger ones are alone with your little kids all day. I watched my wife go through that, and you're alone a lot, and you're alone with little kids a lot, um, and you can feel the, the full weight of the responsibility all day long. But the Lord Almighty, it says here, is present, and he's with you, and he's invested in doing his work. Even as our kids have moved on, um, and mine are in that stage, moving on. We still worry about them. We long for them to make good choices. And the good news is the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Almighty is there. He's present and he's working. Our God is not a false God, an, an idol who's deaf to our needs, but he's one who hears and listens. So passing on faith um, begins with a singular 
trust in the one almighty sovereign God who oversees us and who we put our trust in. And when that is our centering point, um, it roots us for everything he calls us to do. Um, and it takes the weight of burden off of us, and God says that he's going to carry that. So first, look to the Lord. Um, make him central. And that's another reason why we have the table here every single week to remember to do that. Second thing that this, the passage there told us to do is to love the Lord, um, to love the Lord. And first it says to love him with all of our heart. And this is the eternal work, internal work that God wants to do in us. Um, love the Lord with all your heart. Our relationship with God as it begins with him and it's sustained within. It's not sustained externally. It's sustained by what happens in here. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. It's like saying, watch out what goes on in here and do whatever you have to do to make sure you take care of that. Because out of that place is what, where life flows from. This is that internal work of the Spirit as we give him space. And no one sees it going on. Um, it's, it's the, the voice calling us there is sometimes a quiet voice. Um, it takes time. It takes space. It takes quietness. It takes intentionality. And it takes the pouring in of the word into our hearts. In our um, demanding, busy lives, um, that is usually the first thing that gets pushed out of the way. And it's a challenge to keep it central. Yet without that internal work in our heart of loving the Lord with all of our heart, what happens in here, there is no Christian life. There is no authentic faith to pass along. It's just an emptiness. So love the Lord with all your heart. Second of all, it says love the Lord with all your soul. So what does that mean? Sometimes we confuse those two. Um, soul refers to your whole being. It's your heart, includes your heart, your intellect, your will, even our bodies. It says when God breathed into Adam, it says Adam became a living soul. It's, it's the entireness of his being. Um, we, we separate those things out. We talk about souls going to heaven, which we do. But when God first made, made us, there was never intended to be any separation. It was a whole wholeness of soul. And so when he says here, love the Lord with all your heart, it happens inside, and with your soul, it's with all that we are, our heart, our intellectual, our intellect, our will, and our body. Everything about us is supposed to declare that we love the Lord. So whether it's uh, 1 Corinthians 10, it says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do what? Do it all to the glory of God. So it's not just what I'm thinking. Um, it's not just what happens in here. But even what I do with my, my physical body is all to be done to the glory of God. It includes our desires, our hopes, our thoughts, our bodies, our actions, our speech. All those things are supposed to be flavored from what's happening inside as God does a work uh, within our heart. So love the Lord with all of our heart and figure out what does it take for, to create space for the Holy Spirit to do that work in me. And then love the Lord with all of our soul. And there's, let that begin to move out into all the things... How do I speak? The kind of words I use? Where do I go? The way I take care of myself? All those kinds of things. To love him with all of that as well. And then lastly, he says to love him with all your might. Second Kings 23, it says, Josh, Josiah, talks to Josiah, turn to God with all of his heart and his soul and his might. The, the word, um, you, you think of it kind of like might, like having strength. Um, the word actually literally means the word very, V-E-R. 
It's like lo love the Lord with all of your very, veriness is the, the idea here. That sounds kind of weird, but that's what it is. In, in Greek, it gets translated as power, and in the Aramaic, it gets translated as wealth. The idea is that we're supposed to love the Lord with everything that's at our disposal. That's where it goes. So it goes, starts inside, the work of God inside of us, and then who I am, and, and, and the way I think, and the way I act, and what I say, and, and where I go, and then all the resources God has given to me, I'm then supposed to take those into play and love him with all of those things as well. With everything we have available for honoring God, we're to use it to honor and love him. So, that's our muscles, for those of us who have any. Um, I have just as many as anybody else. They're just not as big. Um, <laughs> we're, to, we're to love them with our family, our home. We, we take our homes and we let those be places that display God's love to other people in our hospitality. Our dorm room, I think we can love them with our pets, our clothing, the tools we have, our cell phones, our time, our money, our music, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, and those are all great things. There's so many things that we can either dishonor God with them or we can honor him with it and show our love for him with those things. And I love the idea that God says, I'm going to come in and the Holy Spirit's going to take up residence in your life. If you give him space, he's going to do the transforming work in you. And then that's going to start showing up and just the, the, your own, the way you think and, and how you talk and the way you take care of yourself. And then I want you to then, in that place, thirdly, Take all the things I'm giving you, and there's so much, and let it all be done to honor and love God with. So love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your resources, with all of your might. Beginning inside and then moving out to all we have, loving God with all of that. And at least moving in that direction, right? We'll put the love of God on display, and that impacts. It impacts our children. It impacts other people in our church body. It impacts our neighbors. It impacts the person at the grocery store that you see every week, whoever that might be. That kind of love, by the way, cannot exist disconnected from the Lord. It cannot exist. Abiding in Jesus. Our very best gift to our kids, no matter what their age and to those around us, is to give what's happening inside of me and letting that flow out in my relationship with Jesus, to let what's happening in here flow out. What I, taking care of this part is the best gift we can give. Because if we don't do this, we just have us to give, and it's going to come up short, and it's not going to come out right. When I do not make room for the work of God in me, then I begin to, and we all know this, this, this uh, we know how to do this, we begin to dis try to display the things of God on the outside in our own strength. And it looks okay for a while, but eventually it always dissolves. It always ends up showing up for what it really is. But when I make room for the Lord's work in me, he promises to let that flow out outside of me. So what does that actually look like? The basic stuff we talk about all the time. It's making space for him um, in our world. Um, we have to make time and space. Um, I know, I remember... <laughs> My wife, when, we, when our kids were younger, we, had a, we were a little older and we had our kids and um, we were tired all the time. And, and you're tired when you're young, I know that, but we were really tired. Um, I remember the idea of like making time and space, like where? Where do you make time and space? You can't even go in the bathroom in peace. So I would encourage this, for those of you who have young children, it's a whole different season of life. Um, 
for dads who are away and your wives are at home for the, in those cases or, or vice versa, make sure you give time for the other person to have their own time. So dads, when they come home and you're wiped out, you, your wives have to have an opportunity for some space and time in their life. And not just like an occasional space. It's like regular space. We have to do that for each other. We have to make space. We can post reminders up like my mom used to do to keep us thinking of the Lord during the day. Um, we've, we talk here often at the Vineyard that we go out, out these doors and there are all these different stories in our culture. And they're all speaking what they say life is about to us. And we absorb them and they shape us in, in wrong ways. We've got to put things in front of us every day to remind us of the story that God's calling us to live according to. So it could be even just old post-its somewhere, verses. Um, perhaps there's something that you regularly do, but it's not really essential. Maybe it's removing that just so you can make space for what really does matter. You might make a list of all the resources you have. Sit down with your, your family and go, what, what are all the things God's given us? to use to display his love, and write those things down and think of how they might be used. Loving the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, our soul, and with all that he's put at our disposal. And thirdly, in terms of both looking at the Lord, loving the Lord, the third thing we hear in, in this passage in Deuteronomy is display the Lord. Displaying the Lord happens, by the way, through the overflow of his work in us. If we start here, we fail. If we start trying to display the Lord, but we haven't worked on our heart, we haven't looked to the Lord, it's just going to be um, something false, and the people around us will see it. It's displaying the Lord happens through the overflow of his work in us. It says here, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Um, basically, you're supposed to be, we're supposed to do it all the time. That's the picture here. So the first one says, when talking, um, the things that we say, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come from our mouths, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And Colossians 4.6 says, Let our speech always be a gracious, filled with grace. Philippians 4, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about those kinds of things. So he says uh, one of the ways that the overflow should show up is the words we use, the, the manner in which we talk to each other, um, the way we speak, the kind of things we choose to say, the things that we choose not to say, um, and opportunities to teach, um, whether it's our children or other people, to, to give instruction about the things of God. Interesting, that's probably the area that things show up the worst oftentimes too, isn't it? Um, choosing, things come out. Um, we were coming down from Flagstaff yesterday and pulled into In-N-Out off of, what is it, Ray Road there, the In-N-Out there in Phoenix. And um, Mike and I were sitting in the drive-thru and um, this family was getting in the car and I, I heard this kid go, you dumb person. And he made some comment about being dumb and I going, those are two brothers talking. I just knew it. And we looked over, it's two brothers talking to each other, you know. Um, our speech, what we say, especially in our homes, um, it says, display the Lord and be diligent about it, teaching them, letting, letting what the, the character and nature of God show up in the way we speak. And God's given us that opportunity to do that. And he says, also, teach your children diligently when you're walking. Um, what, what, as, what are they seeing you as you walk? Basically, it's, it's paying attention everywhere we're going and, and 
connecting with the Lord. Um, it's interesting to watch, I don't know if you ever watch like parents and then her kids, they walk the same. You ever notice that? People, I don't know if you're born that way or if you learn it. I'm not sure. I don't know those questions, but um, it's just like every, every, I don't mean embarrassing, but we all have different kinds of walks. I'm just telling you. Um, we used to sit in O'Hare Airport back before the days of security and just watch people walking. And um, my dad would make comments about who they were by the way they walked. And, um, but we, we copy the ways we walk. You know, it's just really weird. Um, but it's, it's when we're going, when we're driving. We're heading to school. We're on our way to work. We're driving down to church. When we're running down to the park. Uh, whatever those things, and all those places that we're going, and no matter who we're with, um, is, is God showing up in those places, in the ways we, what we pay attention to, what we comment on? And it says here, display the Lord when the day is beginning. So how many people are morning people here, by the way? Yeah, yes. <laughs> how many people are like night people? All right. So we're all going to have it easy on one of these and hard on the other one because we're supposed to display God at the be- beginning of the day and we're supposed to display him at the ending of our day. What are we like? At the end of the day, am I exhausted? Yes. Do I just, just want the day to be done? For me, it's 8 o'clock. Once we hit, you can ask Micah, once we hit about 8 o'clock, it's like, you know, don't ask me anything because <laughs> you're not getting anything from me. Um, how do we come across um, at the end of our day? How do we complete our day? Um, not only with those around us, but with the Lord himself as well. Um, I remember just sitting with the kids at the, on the edge of the bed when they were little at the end of the day to say goodnight to them at the end of the day. And how do we end those days? And by the way, for us as, as believers, too, in our own walk with God, how do we end the day with him as well? And then it says, as well as at the beginning of the day. So the beginning of the day and the ending of the day. What are our first words in the beginning of the day? Our, our very first words. What's our outlook on the day? What are we looking forward to? What are we, are we talking about when we're under the people um, oftentimes it's a complaint, is it not? And, and like, ah, oh, you wouldn't believe what day is coming up, rather than uh, turning that around and letting us anticipate what God wants to do. comes down to, at the very end of this, not necessarily having answers to be able to instruct about this is what's true, this is what's true, but actually just being attentive to the moment and being present and being mindful of the Lord. It's, it's, it, Moses makes it really simple for us here. God says, pay attention to the Lord. Just make sure you're doing that. Let him do a work in your, in your life and begin to think, how does he want to use you in all the different places? And then lastly, all through the day, just be mindful of him so that we are paying attention to him. We're, we're talking about him. My mom used to, everything had to do with the Lord. My mom would, you know, she'd see a, we'd be at the grocery store, oh, look at this beautiful red pepper. God made such a great color red, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess God did make red. That's pretty cool, you know? She would, everything was like that. Um, paying attention, being present in all the places we are, and connecting them with the life of God. It's, it's actually fairly simple. As I said, my mom seemed to connect everything to the Lord. Um, when she'd, remember my dad would catch the fish out in Lake Michigan, these salmon, my mom would clean them, and um, while she's scaling the thing and, and pulling all the guts out of the fish, she would go, look at the beautiful fish God made that I'm about to cut up and clean. Um, <laughs> or like how red the tomato was, all those kinds of things. This is good news for us, because um, we don't have to create some program necessarily, um, or create a context for displaying our faith. It happens all the time, in all the places we are, and in the normal course of life, that's where the majority of instruction and shaping of not only kids, but each other happens. The bad news about that is it's happening all the time. 
isn't it? And we come up short, and we fail often, and our patterns of sin begin to show up like clockwork in all those places. But then there's good news because we have the cross, and we can go to the cross again and again and again and embrace the gospel. And even in failing and then pointing to the cross over and over again, we instruct and shape those around us. We don't have to be perfect people or perfect parents, but we do need to be people that point to a perfect Savior over and over and over again. If it seems overwhelming, like I have to be like this in so many places all the time, um, we go back to the first calling, love the Lord. When we do that, the overflow over time begins to show up in our lives. I've got a, a picture of my wife and um, our our oldest daughter, Paige, who uh, got her master's degree yesterday up at NAU. So, I think she's, I don't know, how old is that? Let's see if we get that, a year and a half maybe so. Um, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ. She's going to be 27 next week. Um, the reason I like that picture, um, and that's, our, our kids can do what they want. They make their own choice. We've all done that. I love it because she's looking one way and Paige is looking the same way. And over and over again, we are called um, as parents, no matter what our kids' age, as grandparents, we are called as people of God to always be in all the places we are, even when we're failing to do so, looking to the Lord again, looking to the Lord again, turning to him, talking about him, reflecting on him, struggling to love him as we do so. And as we do that, people are going to look that way. They're just going to look that way. And it begins to shape around us as simple as that. Be imitators of God. We can do that as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ. Cameron, if you could uh, bring our music team up front. If you're visiting this morning, um, every week we gather around the, uh, the table here. Um, there's one here, um, there's one over on the side, and there's, there's one in the back as well. Um, we, we break off the bread, remembering Christ's body, which he offered up for us, and we dip it in the cup, remembering his blood that was shed for us. We gather, as I said, we say it over and over again because we forget, we gather every week over and over and over again. We come up to this table where Jesus is our host and Jesus is the center. If you're a believer this morning, there is a seat for you at this table and you're welcome to come up. But we come around this table because Jesus has been with us all along this week, if we know him. He's been with us while we're walking, when we're sitting up, when we're getting up in the morning, when we're lying down at night, um, but we forget. We don't pay attention. We don't remember his work. And so we gather around the table, as we do each week, to once again remember his work, remember his presence, remembering his faithfulness, remembering his love that has been with us and goes before us as we leave. Jesus had a, had a meal with his friends, and he wanted to pass along the truth and his mission to them, and so they sat together, and they talked together, and they ate together, and they began to discover what he was about. Matthew 26 says, Now they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I'll not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for these, 
really simple elements of bread and cup, things we'll be seeing all week long. And uh, we gather here, uh, I just, as you've incredibly have put the mission of God into us to carry out as imperfect people in our homes, amongst each other, in our neighborhood. Remind us, Lord, that that work happens as you do a work in us. And we thank you for this table to remind us of your good gift, of your sacrifice, that you can transfer us from darkness to light, and your promise to be at work in us and through us and among us. So as we gather as a family, Lord, we do it to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.